You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Today, we're going to start a new study, this time on the Gospel of John. It's basically going to be a one-year look at the most significant, most influential, most polarizing person in the history of the world. His name is Jesus. So we're going to open up the Word of God and learn about the Son of God. When I was growing up, we went to church every Sunday. That's just what you did. That's what we did as a family. It was Sunday school and then church. At that younger age, I wouldn't really have understood what worship was. I wouldn't have used that word. I would just, yeah, we're going to church. And if you were to have asked me then, okay, who is Jesus? What is he for you? And what has he done? And I'm not sure I could give you more than just a couple of brief sentences, kind of the Sunday school answer. Fast forward a few years, I go off to college, public university. Every religion class is in your face with, why do you believe what you believe? I had to discover that for myself. It wasn't good enough just to say, well, just because, or that's what I, that's what my mom taught, or that's just what I knew. And it forced me to go deeper, to get to know Jesus better, to do that through this book and through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want you to think that I understand it all. That's not where I'm going with this. But most people don't spend enough time in this book. There are a lot of people around that are moral, spiritual, but not very biblical. So they don't open God's word to meet with God and receive a word from God. But this book will absolutely change your life. Change your marriage, change your parenting, change your ministry because God's word brings life. God's word brings joy. God's word brings the power, presence, and provision of God. That's going to be the foundation for our next year together. And as we study John, you're going to learn some things about Jesus that you wouldn't otherwise know if it weren't for John. You see, there are four gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke share roughly 60% of their content with each other. Then along comes John. And about 90% of the gospel of John is unique. In other words, there are things about Jesus we wouldn't otherwise know if it weren't for his writing them down. And let me say this. If you're a young Christian, a, a brand new Christian, this is the gospel for you. And if you're a mature Christian, a seasoned Christian, this is also the gospel for you because you will learn a lot through it. Here's how the gospel of John starts. In the beginning. Well, what does that sound like? Genesis 1.1, doesn't it? In the beginning, God created. John starts his gospel much the same. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. So you already get this understanding that the description of word is associated with a person. He was in the beginning with God. 
Now, it is believed that John is the last remaining eyewitness, the last surviving disciple of Jesus, and he starts his gospel not by telling us about himself, but about telling us about Jesus. He says Jesus is our eternal God and basically introduces us to his best friend, Lord God, King, Savior, Jesus Christ. And what John is telling us here is that Jesus is into beginnings. And if you keep reading the New Testament, you know he's into new beginnings. I don't know what this past year totally held for you, but we're in a new year. I don't know what exactly your past was, but I know who rules, who rules your future. Maybe you've had some troubles, some struggles, some trials, but here's the good news. We have a good God who is into new beginnings. So the other thing we need to understand is how Jesus is described as the word who was at the beginning with God, was himself God. So he's not bound by time, that's Jesus. He's without beginning and end, he's over all, and he is the word of God. Now when you hear that phrase, word of God, there's a double meaning. It is the person, Jesus Christ. It's also this book. This is God's word. So we open up this word of God to learn more about the word of God, if that makes sense. In Isaiah 55, 11, God says this, my word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me void or empty. It will come in power and accomplish everything that I sent it to do. See, God works through his word. Back in Genesis, God spoke and creation came into being. God worked through his word. We live in a world that is full of words, but not so much God's word, and that's the problem. So if you want to see change or help or hope or healing in your life, then you need a word from God. And let me tell you, the word of God is the only perfect thing in all of the earth, and we live in a day where there is war against the word of God. Here at Benton Heights, uh, I just need you to know, we love you, but if you disagree with the word of God, you're wrong. John goes on, through him, through who? Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. What he's saying is this, Jesus made everybody and everything. There are two categories, creation and creator. The question is, where does Jesus fit? Which category, created or creator? Well, all other religions and spiritualities would put Jesus in the category of created. They will say he was created, a man who is godly, not God, but godly, maybe even one of the most significant prophets, but still created, not the creator. Ask John, where does Jesus fit? What category? Without a doubt, he will say creator. This is fundamentally incredibly important. What John is saying is that everyone and everything comes from Jesus. Everyone and everything belongs to Jesus. Everyone and everything will return to Jesus and have to give an account 
to Jesus. So you are not from nowhere, here for no reason, going nowhere. You are here from him. You are here for him. And you will return to him and give an account to him. John says more about Jesus. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's our hope. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is not the author of the gospel. This is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And what he goes on to say about John the Baptist is, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him, through John the Baptist, all might believe he himself was not the light. John the Baptist was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light, that's Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, there's that concept of him being the creator again. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Let me start with something that may sound complicated at the beginning, but it's really important. And that is that you and I, we need to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. To not be conformed to the pattern of this world, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which means Christians and non-Christians think differently. Under all of the conflicts... There is ultimately only one conflict, and it is at the level of our worldview. The culture believes in something called monism, M-O-N-I-S-M. Mon has uh, the idea of one behind it. Like we are in Christianity as a monotheistic religion. It's belief in one God. Monism is the belief that Everything is just kind of like one big conglomeration. There are no distinctions. So God and Satan don't like that. Angels and demons, men and women, right and wrong, truth and lies, all of that is unloving, all of that is intolerant. Sound familiar? The opposite of monism is dualism. The God of the Bible thinks in categories, right and wrong, truth and lies, light and darkness, heaven and hell. All of this, these two worldviews exploded a few years ago when it was decided that we shouldn't have two bathrooms, but choose whatever you feel like. And with that, there was a collision of two worldviews at the handle of a bathroom. And there was this call to reject binary thinking. You know what binary thinking is? Dualism. So when people reject binary thinking, they are asking all others to not think like God. All of you that are roughly 35 and under have been raised by a culture that emphasizes monism, not dualism. But when you come to the Bible... You've got to reorient your thinking because there is life and death, light and darkness, right and wrong. And in this dark world, this is a dark world politically, spiritually, relationally. Where does the light come? 
Where does it come from? Well, the common prevailing falsehood is that the light is in you. And that your light will fix the world. However, the light doesn't come from you. It comes to you. So think about it. What does light do? Well, several things. It exposes what's hidden. Jesus exposes the human heart, the human condition. Light also brings life. I mean, think about it. when you want to plant a garden, you do it outside under the sunlight. That's Jesus. He exposes our darkness. Jesus brings life. And light also illumines our path. It shows us which way to go. I think this may be a Holy Spirit moment. Is there anything in your life that may be secret, hidden, shameful, rebellious? Then this is God creating an environment for you to bring it to the light so you can say, Jesus, you know where I'm at. You know what I'm doing. You know that this is darkness. And I need you to bring me to life away from death. And I need you to show me a path forward so I can walk away from it. For some of you, that's why you're here today. Jesus wants you to know he's not angry with you. He's not trying to punish you. He already knows what you're hiding. And what he wants you to do is bring it to the light so he can forgive you and heal you. Next, John says, he came to that which were his own. That's the Hebrew people but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. What he's saying is this. The storyline of the Bible is that God is a father, and he has a father's heart towards you. That he loves you. And he created this world for you to dwell in and to have a relationship with him. And what do we do? Like foolish kids, we literally run away from God. Our father. That's what sin is. It's rebellion. It's rejection. Well, let me expand on this imagery a bit. Let's say there's a father who has children that he absolutely loves. And the children are rebellious and they run away from home. Then night comes. It's total darkness. They're lost. They can't find their way home. So the father sends out the oldest son, the responsible one, and he says, go find your siblings and bring them home. That's the storyline of the Bible, that our heavenly father sends the son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who comes into human history. He is the light of the world, and he is sent on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. But what it says is that some people see that light, they hear the call, and they run even further away toward darkness, toward death. If you're not a Christian, that's you. You've run from the God who came to save you. Some people don't think they need to be saved. Some people are okay with being lost. Some people think that, you know, I'll just find my way back when I'm ready. All of which are untrue. There are two categories, those who reject Jesus, those who receive Jesus. Again, binary categories. 
If you're not a Christian, I want this today to be the day that you choose to receive Jesus. God came to the earth looking for you, and you no longer have to live apart from your creator, apart from your father. The other category, those who receive him, now granted, it takes a bit of humility to admit and accept that we need saving and we're not the savior. And if you have kids, you know how much you love them. Well, our heavenly father loves us more than that. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to come and get you and bring you home. Some of you have been running a long time. And you may think, man, I am so far away from Jesus. You've been running. But so is he. Just turn around because he's right there. This next verse is really amazing. The word became flesh. We had earlier that this word was a person. He was in the beginning with God. Now we're getting told that this word became flesh. Well, we know that's Jesus. God coming in human form. And he made his dwelling among us. He took up residence. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Grace is his mercy, his love, his kindness. Truth is he's always right. His way is the right way. His way is the only way. That's why we should be obedient to his word. John the author is talking about John the Baptist again when he says, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. How do we enter into God's presence? How do we have a relationship with God? How do we dwell with God? In the Old Testament, there was something called a tabernacle, which was basically like a tent. God's people were on the move. And the tabernacle was a way that God's home moved with him. Now, God doesn't need a home, but it was a symbol of God's presence. Later, they would build this magnificent temple. Again, it was about God's presence being with them. You see, for them, the center of all things was the presence of God. Ultimately, all of that was to prepare us for the coming of Jesus that in Jesus, God enters human history. In Jesus, God enters time and space. The creator enters into the creation. The spiritual God enters into flesh. This is the opposite of religion. Religion says people need to ascend to God. And here it's saying God descends down to us. So Jesus is the center of everything. And what that means for us is that we don't have to go to a holy place. We don't have to go to a temple or a mosque or a shrine or some sacred site. We don't have to go to a holy place. We go to a holy person. His name is Jesus. And he's wanting to meet with you wherever you might be and through the Holy Spirit to bring God's presence to you. And then John goes on to say this, out of his fullness... We have all received grace 
in place of grace already given. In other words, grace upon grace, another translation would say. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. The first thing to notice is that Jesus is the only God. Let me say this. You've got to figure out what you're going to do with that statement. Is Jesus your only God? Not just a God, but the only God. You need to decide what you think about Jesus. And what you decide is the most important thing about you. But here's the good news. I'm not about to tell you what you need to do until I tell you what Jesus has done for you. You see, Jesus is God, the perfect, sinless life that he lived, the life that we should have but couldn't. We opposed him, hated him, despised him, rejected him. And in that moment, he substituted himself for us. That's grace. And it was his death for our life, his condemnation for our salvation, his rejection for our acceptance. That's called the great exchange. Jesus came and took your place. And he gives to you all of his righteousness, all of his forgiveness. He gives you love, joy, peace, and an eternal relationship that is secure. You see, it's not first of all about what you do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. And faith is trusting in what Jesus has done for you. So after his death, Jesus rose to conquer Satan, sin, death, and hell. And if you were to ask today, how do I get to know God? I mean, look, I, I, I get it. It's how do you have a relationship with somebody you can't see? The Father, God the Father is spiritual. He's invisible. How do you have a relationship with him? Verse 18 again. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus comes as the true picture of the Father. Jesus would later say in the Gospel of John, we'll see it in a little while, okay, a few months. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is how we see God. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. You want to know God? Get to know Jesus. Final thought, let me share with you just a bit about John the author. He originally worked in the family fishing business along with his brother until one day Jesus came by and invited them in. He said, come, follow me. And it says immediately. They left everything and they followed Jesus. They left their business. They left their inheritance. They left their family. They left all of their supplies and they followed Jesus. Sometimes following Jesus costs us a lot. And for three years, they were with Jesus, learning from Jesus, studying with Jesus. So John was there when Jesus healed. 
John was there when Jesus walked on water. John was there when Jesus taught and when he preached and when he cast out demons and when he performed miracles. John was there for all of it. Now, there was a time when John was a little arrogant. And he asked if he could sit at Jesus' right hand forever. There was also a time that John was a little angry when he asked Jesus if he could call down fire from heaven on a group of people. Like you and me, he needed some work. But he did love Jesus. And he gives us hope because as he walked with Jesus, he changed. He's one of the three disciples along with Peter and John's brother James to be in Jesus' inner circle. He was there at some of the most intimate, private moments of Jesus' life and ministry. As Jesus is dying on the cross, he looks down and he sees his mother, Mary. And he sees near her one of his best friends, John. And he says to John, take care of my mom. Jesus had brothers and sisters, but he didn't assign that task to any of them. John was the first of the disciples to arrive at the empty tomb of the grave. John lived through the death of all the other disciples. He was the last living disciple. And in the end, he saw Jesus in all of his glory, the one who had come in the flesh, but who was the creator and savior reigning over all people, all times, and all places. And the cool thing is, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you as he did with John. Here we are at the beginning of, of a new year. In any moment is the appropriate time to do an invitation. Any Sunday is certainly an appropriate time. But here on this first Sunday in particular... Maybe you've never really stepped into that thought of, do I really trust Jesus? Have I surrendered my life so that he is my Lord and Savior? I don't know that I've done that. I've been in church, you know, maybe all my life. But if you were to ask me who Jesus is, I could quote some facts. It's here. Do I know it here? Maybe this is your time that you say, yes, Lord, I want to open my life to you. You may not even know what all that looks like, how, that, how to even say it. Just be honest. Even if you're saying, Jesus, I don't know everything, I, but I want to trust you. I believe you're God. I believe you died on the cross. You made that exchange for my life, and I can have eternal life with you that starts now and goes forever. And I want that. God, would you come into my life and begin to change me? You can pray that prayer. And I guarantee you, I can promise you, this is a prayer that Jesus will answer, yes, I will come in. If you do that, there is more rejoicing in heaven 
because someone who has just been on the fringe, just been playing at church this whole time, I said, you know what? I went all in. I'm still going to make mistakes. You will. But you will also experience the total renewal and forgiveness of Jesus who is your Lord and Savior, who died on the cross in your place. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.